Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today I'm going to be responding to a parent's question about her daughter who is three years old and having trouble with transitions, especially getting dressed and getting out the door in the morning. And this mother's tried several approaches and nothing seems to be working. Here's the email I received. Hi, Janet. I have a strong-willed, sensitive, and shy three-year-old daughter who's having trouble with transitions, the biggest being in the morning. Every morning we have breakfast together before she gets dressed for preschool. After finishing breakfast, she runs to the couch and plays under the blankets, even though we have talked about the next step of the morning, getting dressed. I've tried different approaches, such as removing the blankets from the couch, waiting for her to get dressed herself, getting dressed before breakfast, and even offering to read a book if she helps get dressed. But nothing results in her willingness to want to get dressed. She tells me she wants to stay in PJs, to which I reply that I wish I could stay in PJs too, but that it's time to get dressed for school. I know she needs my help to get dressed in this situation, but every morning ends up being a struggle to get her dressed with her crying and screaming and trying to take off the clothes that I'm putting on. I feel like we are stuck in this weekday morning drama and I don't know what to do differently. Please help. Okay, so first of all, it's very typical for toddlers and all young children to have difficulty with transitions. And I think this is probably something we can all relate to. As this mother even said to her daughter, she wishes she could stay in PJs too. Well, I wish I could stay in PJs, and I often do because my work actually is, a lot of it is writing and being at home, and I actually can stay in PJs most of the day. But getting out somewhere, getting ourselves together, even if it's somewhere that we want to go, is for some of us uh, difficult. It's just, uh, I don't know, I just want to be doing what I'm doing, and I I don't want to have to stop this and go through the whole thing of getting dressed, even if this is something I'm really looking forward to. It's tough to get over that hump, even for somewhat mature people like me. Knowing that, what I'm seeing here or what I'm reading or what I'm imagining in this note is that this mother's kind of starting out as, oh gosh, here's this task I have to do. How can I get this done? How can I get her to comply? How can I get this to work? I could be wrong on this, but that's what I'm feeling when she talks about the different approaches. She tried making it impossible for her to use the blankets that she was playing with. She tried just waiting. These are all, in a sense, tactics to try to get someone else to do something you want them to do. But what actually works with children, and is probably particularly important with strong-willed children, is to really approach the whole situation differently, to approach it from a place of real respect and connection as two people, so that it's not me trying to get this other person to do something and let me try all these things to make that happen. It's me realizing that we have this task to do together, we have to get out of the house, And my daughter's showing me right now that for whatever reason, she needs me to really join and help her through this. She can't do it on her own. Sometimes this is a reflection of other transitions that a child is also facing. I don't know if there's any other changes going on in this parent's life that could exacerbate this issue. 
and make it even tougher because the more transitions children have piled on to their plates, the harder it is to release the brakes <laughs> that they have around these situations. So I don't know all the possibilities and the reasons this could be happening. It could simply be that this is a separation time from her mother. They're getting ready to separate. And she's getting ready to go off to school, which is a big deal for children. It's something they really do have to step up to. It's a challenge, not just something they can roll out of bed into and not have to get themselves ready physically, emotionally, mentally. The wonderful thing about the Rye approach, Magda Gerber's approach, the one that I speak from, is that it's really about a relationship and the way that we treat our child moment to moment. It seems to me that in this note, there might be more room for this mother to really join her daughter here. I'm going to talk about what that would look like, but it will look a little different for this mother than it would for me or with another child or somebody else. So whenever I give suggestions about things to say or what to actually do, they're just examples. They're not really the gist of it. The gist of it has to be, here's my daughter. She's having a hard time with this, and I'm really here to help. I'm going to set up my morning so that I have time to help her. It doesn't really take a lot more time, though. It does take slowing down our adult pace to a child's pace, which is naturally a lot slower. It's an attitude of joining rather than pitting ourselves against our child and making this into a contest of wills that, again, is very easy to slip into with a strong-willed child. They're always ready to go there. So here's how I could see this going. First of all, again, it's the overall attitude that I have going into this. We wake up. I'm going to set out some time together with my child where I'm stopping everything to sit with her while she eats. Sounds like this mother is doing that. We have breakfast together before she gets dressed for preschool. Then after breakfast, okay, now we got to get dressed for preschool. But before I've even said that, she ran off to play under the blankets. She's saying... I'm going to avoid this. <laughs> I don't want to go get dressed for preschool right now. I'm going to get away from you because you're trying to make me do this and I don't want to do this. I'm going to go there. So rather than feeling deflated or angry or annoyed or trying to move blankets and things so that these kind of things are impossible for her to do, I would go right over there. I mean, not running over, but clean up the breakfast dishes, whatever, la la la. Then walk over to where she is. Oh, there's my little girl. Very interesting. You decided you want to play. Of course you want to play. I totally get that. I'm going to be in your room with your clothes. And please come in when you want to get dressed. I'm going to be in there. That's one way it could go. That works because, again, it's very polite. It's very respectful. It's giving your child the chance to be the one to make the choice. It's treating our child with that same respect we would give to another adult. So right away, I would use that as an opportunity to join her instead of, uh-oh, my plan isn't working. She's doing a really obvious thing. She's doing a thing children often do. It's kind of funny. Don't let that intimidate. 
see that little rascal for what she is there and stay connected. So then let's say you go into her room, you're waiting, maybe you're getting something else done that you need to do to get ready while she's doing that, you know, while you're waiting for her. But it shouldn't take long. Children do come when they feel that we're not in a contest with them, that we're not in a power struggle with them. If this is a new way of being with your child that you haven't been doing, then it may take more of this for her to be able to come to you. So let's say that she doesn't there. She doesn't come. You've left a minute or two for her to come, and now it's really time. So you go over, oh, there's my little (laughs) darling. Come here. We really have to do this. Come on, let's go. You're still being respectful. You're being kind. You're being uh, with her. You're not mad at her for doing normal, normal things that children do. There's nothing to be annoyed with here if you have that expectation in line, if you have that perception of who she is and what's going on, and you don't fall into the trap of engaging in a power struggle. This mother says that she tried different approaches, such as removing the blankets from the couch, waiting for her to get dressed herself, getting dressed before breakfast, and even offering to read a book if she helps get dressed. So you could decide to get dressed before breakfast if that works for you. But again, not as a strategy. I would do it if it works for you for your routine, but don't do it as a way to try to avoid having to need to do this extra connecting with her. She wants to feel like you're on the same team. And I think especially because you two are going to go your separate ways for the rest of the day or for several hours. Being on someone's team doesn't mean that they're not, you know, a little frustrated with you and not wanting to get dressed. It doesn't mean that at all. She needs to be welcome to have that reaction. It means that you are still in relationship with her as two people throughout the struggle. So now let's say that she didn't come and she's over there still playing, I would go pick her up right away, but it's got to be lovingly. It's got to be happily, not waiting and waiting because she didn't do what you wanted her to do. And now you're going to go pick her up angrily or with impatience and frustration. She just needs a little help. That's all. She may be needing or wanting that physical connection with you. So see it that way. Oh, all right, I'm going to carry you in. You're really having a hard time today. You take her in her room, and then I would still offer her some autonomy there. Okay, what are we going to wear today? What are you going to wear, you know, of these two options or whatever? And then if she says, no, I want to wear my PJs, it's fine to say, as this mother says, I replied that I wish to stay in PJs too. It's fine to do that. It's fine to join her there, But it sounds like the way this mother wrote this, that she's kind of going through the motions to say that she wishes she could stay in PJs too, or that she's saying that out of, well, I wish that too, but we have to go, which isn't the same as joining with your child and empathizing. Again, I could be reading this differently, but it's feeling like she's using this as another approach instead of Yep, I really know. I really get that. God, it's so hard to get out of those PJs in the morning. I know the feeling. I really, really do. I don't think you need to say 
but we have to get dressed for school. That is already implicit. She already knows that. She's known that since before breakfast when she was getting ready to, after breakfast, run away. So that's not something she needs to hear again. I think the reason we say those things again as parents is because we're trying to get our child to just agree with our agenda rather than really meeting them where they are and helping them (laughs) to get through it. It may not sound that different in the actual words you say even, but it's a whole different feeling that it gives a child. It's a feeling that you're not against them, that you do get them, that you're not impatient with them or angry with them in any way, that they're not disappointing you. And again, that will all stem from the way that we view this, the expectations that we have, the tone that we set. And ideally, this will be in all our interactions with our children. Even when we do get frustrated, we're getting frustrated from a place of honesty and (laughs) sharing, really. And then we're going to repair Afterwards, we're going to say, oh, yeah, I just, all these things were piling up and I really needed you to do that and you couldn't and you needed help from me, I know, and I just couldn't do it and I didn't give enough time and so I lost my temper. So then this mother says that she does recognize, she says, I know she needs my help to get dressed in this situation, but every morning ends up being a struggle to get her dressed with her crying and screaming and trying to take off the clothes that I'm putting on. Yes, so I feel like that must be a result of, it's a common result of all the tension that she's feeling from this mother, which again, I can only imagine in the way that she's shared this, and I could be way wrong, and I hope if I am, she writes or contacts me and lets me know. But that's the feeling I'm getting, that there's tension all the way through this. From the beginning, there was maybe a little even dread in this mother about this thing that she was going to have to get her child to do that's always a struggle. And she's tried everything and nothing's working. That is, I feel, why this girl is then reflecting back all that tension by crying and screaming and and having this big meltdown around it. Sometimes children do that for other reasons. The parent's been away or there's a new baby coming or there's other things that are creating stress. And then that's where the child shares it. So even the crying and screaming is a positive thing. It's, it's actually, instead of, oh gosh, you know, she's making this hard for me, I would see that as, wow, this gave her an opportunity to vent that I had to insist, now we got to put those shoes on. We really got to get these on so we can get out of here. I know you don't want to. I hear you. If that kind of loving, connected approach creates crying and screaming, then there's a really good reason for the crying and screaming that we need to trust, ideally. So I wish this was just a simple answer, like, just do this and it'll all work. That would be easier than wrapping our heads around these ideas of really respecting our child and joining with them, connecting, being on their side, on their team, and having our expectations in order. This takes some thought and maybe takes some visualization, seeing it all differently, seeing her, quote, annoying behavior differently. So I hope that makes sense, and I really hope it helps. Please check out some of my other podcasts at JanetLansbury.com. They're all indexed by subject and category, so if you're looking for something specific, it should be easy to find. I also have an audio series called Sessions, 
These are individual recordings of consultations I've done with parents. You can check them out at sessionsaudio.com. And remember, both of my books are available on audio at audible.com. Elevating Child Care and No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. In these books, I do try to explain this overall relationship of respect that will help make discipline and everything else that we do with our children much, much easier. You can also get them in paperback at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple.com. Thanks for listening. We can do this.